Okay, so um, <clears throat> first of all, I just want to say thank you so much. This is such an easy church to come and speak to. I mean, everyone was so excited this morning, just excited and, and just encouraging. And I just thought, wow, what a great place. People here really care about the people here, and they're excited to hear about other people in other nations. It's just such a great place to be, such an easy place to speak to and speak at. So thank you guys for that this morning. And um, so as many of you know, in... At the end of January, early February, I got a chance to go to Cambodia with a group of women here from Reading. And so there were eight of us um, ladies that got to go. And it was such a, a fun time. I've never traveled on a missions trip with just women. And it was, we had some very funny experiences I've never had before. But <laughs> I mean, just, uh, you know, all the things that sharing essential oils on the on the airplane and and talking about you know before the trip getting ready we had we all had our um, head rests and our eye p patches things and compression stockings to, for the airplane and it was just it was very very a very feminine trip I should say that but um, <laughs> so we got to go with a a group well so there's many of you maybe have heard of hard places community in Cambodia, and it was established by a pastor at the Stirring. And so there are quite a few people from Reading that go. So even if you haven't heard of that organization before, it's a great organization. I'm sure you'll hear about it because it's it's very small, but it's really growing. And um, so quite a few people from Reading go there on a regular basis. So it's called Hard Places Community in Cambodia. So, um, but let me go ahead and get to this. Now, um, as I was thinking about what to share about the trip, the passage that God really gave me when, when we were in Cambodia, so we were, in, we were actually in the country for nine days, so it was a, you know, it was a short trip, but um, while we were there with the people, and I'll be showing you pictures and talk, telling you some of the stories of the people, but the Lord really gave me this word for, for the nation, and it just kept coming up for even the church today just to share, and so it's from Isaiah, and it just says, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. But then the Lord responds, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. And I just think, you know, it's like what better picture to use than a mother? I mean, as Pastor Sean was saying, most people, I mean, that's when you think of devotion, you think of not being forgotten, you think of uh, being held and nurtured, you think of, of your mother or just other women in your life. You know, that's just something that God's put in, in women. Oh, I see a white hanky back there. Thank you. <laughs> I told Shawnee, better, I better hear some, or see some white hankies and, and <laughs> get some encouragement. There we go. Help me out. Help, help a sister out. <laughs> um, so, you know, most, most people... I would say probably the stories I hear have had a mother like that who just, you know, a story of a mother coming alongside you and being your number one fan and, and being the one who never forgets you. And I mean, not everybody's had that experience. You know, some of us have had mothers who, you know, for one reason or another, have not been able to, to be that picture of, of perfect, you know, pure devotion. And so I just think that's so amazing that God put in there, hey, you know, if you can imagine you know, if you've had this uh, amazing mother, then picture I'm like that. But even if you haven't had that, 
you know, maybe you've been rejected or you've been like most of the people in, in Cambodia. I mean, it's a very orphaned country. Um, he's saying, even if you haven't had that, I'm going to be that for you. And um, that's even just a personal, that's kind of been a big theme in my life personally, has just been when, you know, you have a, when you've been forsaken or rejected by one of your parents, your earthly parents, that, that God never does that. And so, <clears throat> so that's um, kind of the theme of today. So I feel like God kind of gave this moment in time for me to be able to, to just encourage everyone who's here that, that you are not forgotten, that people in other countries who are, I'm sure right now, there's a lot of people feeling forsaken, like what's going on, you know, especially people in Cambodia, they've, they've been through genocide. As you know, I mean, over two million people were killed in Cambodia in the 70s. Uh, you know, they've just had, and in the 80s, you know, this, the sex trafficking industry just sprung up. They've just been exploited year after year, and like so many other countries and so many people even in the States, it's easy to kind of go, oh, I, I, you know, you've, I've, God's totally forgotten me. I'm, I'm, there's no, no one that's looking out for me. And so I'm just, you know, for this moment in time, I felt like the Lord's going, no, hey, just remind the church that that nobody here is forgotten, and that we need to also remember the people in, in other nations, and we need to not forget their stories, and not forget their plights, and not forget that they are image bearers. Um, okay, so just a quick, you know, I already touched a little bit on going into Cambodia. Um, it's that little purple spot up there, and you know, the kingdom of Cambodia used to be bigger, but you know, they've, as happens with other kingdoms and cultures, you know, just, uh, you know, wars and things, it's gotten smaller over the time, but, um, and Angkor Wat, you know, it, which is the biggest, basically the biggest temple ruins that we have in the world today, and, um, you know, up there in the, in the picture, that's really what brings tourism to Cambodia right now, um, and then down below, as I just touch on, you know, the, the um, Khmer Rouge in the 70s, Absolutely, and I won't go into the history too much, you know, right now, but we got to go to, vi we visited the killing fields, I think the second day we were there. And it was one of those days where I was just like, you know, you're feeling jet lagged. I was really sick the first part of the trip and I was just feeling so weak, like in my, in my physical and soul. And, and then on the way to the killing fields, the, and the, on the tuk-tuk ride, I was just having one of those moments where I was like, Lord, you know, the Bible talks about uh, boasting in your weakness and boasting in, but I, you know, it always, it sounds great. I mean, it sounds good. And as Americans, we really don't like to boast in our, in our weakness. I mean, I always kind of like, oh, that sounds great, but I wish I was better at this, or I wish I had this, or, but on the tuk-tuk ride there, I just felt like this amazing ability to connect with the vulnerability in that country. And just even the vulnerability in myself, I was just like driving there going, Lord, but it was the first time I really had the grace to go, I truly am thankful for my weakness. I'm really, I can honestly say I'm thankful for everything in my life that, you know, everything that's been hard, everything that I've had to overcome because truly, I mean, we can really boast in, in Christ. It gives, it, it provides a slot for the Lord to come in and, and, and strengthen us. So that's just what we pray for that, for that country. I mean, they've been so uh, stolen from over the years. Um, the killing fields were, it were intense. So you, you see a monument with just skull after skull after skull. 
So anyhow, the Kingdom of Cambodia, you know, is a is a as a country that desperately, like so many countries in the world, desperately need Jesus to redeem and uh, the heartache. So um, Hard Places Community in Cambodia that we, we um, were able to go to, they have a base in Phnom Penh in Cambodia, which is the really busy capital of Cambodia. So we flew into to, um, to Phnom Penh. And the, so Hard Places Community, it's been about 10 years that this um, organization's been established. There are so many NGOs in Cambodia. I mean, it's just one of those countries that thankfully is on the radar, you know, for a lot of different organizations. I mean, a lot of people are really coming alongside the Cambodians. Because I had some uh, little facts about Cambodia was that 50% of the population are the age 15 and under. So, I mean, you really, when you're walking in Cambodia, you don't see that many elderly people. It's really interesting. So, you know, when, they, when, they, when the Khmer Rouge killed over about two million people, they went after um, anyone educated. They went after, they wanted to, to uh, they basically were elevating the farmers, and they, they wanted to kill off anyone educated. So, so you just have a, a country and a culture that's very much like their children, you know, they're very, they're very young, they haven't had a lot of covering. And so um, a recent UNICEF survey concluded that 35% of Cambodians' 15,000 prostitutes, prostitutes are children under the age of 16. So that's why, you know, as the last few years when, when child trafficking and stuff has really come onto the radar, Cambodia is definitely one of those ones that stands out because it's been, they're so exploited. So Hard Places Community was really established, a big part of that, to, to meet that need, you know, for, for just people that are being taken advantage of right now in, in the world. And so about, like I said, about 10 years ago, established a group from, from Reading, or someone from Reading and someone from the Middle East, I mean, from the... Uh, Middle Eastern, one of the Middle Eastern states, went over there and started going, you know, this country is so need of, in need of mothers and fathers, but the men, actually, that are being exploited, they're, they're not talked about that much. We, we hear about the children, we hear about, but there's a group of, of men that are really, they're lost, they're, they're, they're finding a space in this whole sex trafficking uh, industry because they're trying to make money for their families and so that's how it originally started and so now you have um, I'm realizing I probably need glasses sometimes soon I'm having a hard time seeing back there but um, <laughs> I'll turn around here um, so what you have now is it started out you know them making contact with with these men going into male brothels and saying hey you know I think, I'm pretty sure you want out of this lifestyle, what do you need most? And the men would say, we need to learn English. And so it just started out with a group of men that were just, you know, learning English and they were being, uh, you know, discipled. And now it's sprung up to, now there's a worship school, and I'll talk more about these uh, branches later, but there's a worship school now. There's a, a restaurant that's for, both the worship school and the restaurant is for people, the men who come into this program and that after a while they're ready, you know, they've been discipled, they're ready, they're, they're surrendered to, to God, they're really, you know, 
they're, they're ready to live a, a different lifestyle. And so they've provided places for them to plug into. So worship school, uh, restaurant, there's a hair salon, uh, there's an art center, and there's a baby house and kids club because they have gone on now to just going ahead and doing preventative too with kids and babies. Um, so earlier when I talked about the men, now this picture, there's actually only one man in that picture who's actually part of that program. So the one in the white, the rest there's a couple staff and some of the people from our team. Now I just got to stop and tell some stories about um, these men. They call them the Punlok Tamai men and they are, I just got to say that when I got to to make contact with these men. Right now there's about 10, 10 guys through the program currently. And so we, we were all over the place in, in, you know, when we were in um, Phnom Penh for the, the five days that we were in Phnom Penh, we were in Siem Reap, but we were all over visiting these different hard place community branches. So we really only got about an hour or two to spend with these this men. I have to say that it was now looking back and processing the trip when I was putting together what I was gonna say, I was just weeping when I was processing. I was like, that, that hour or two with these men was one of the most significant moments in my life. I just felt like, you know, in the phase of eternity, sometimes you just feel like a moment slows down and you're just like, wow, this was such an honor and privilege. Um, so we, this was at a restaurant after we met with the men. Like I said, only one man went with us to the restaurant. But just try to picture, you know, we're taking a tuk-tuk to, we get to the arts, the uh, hair salon which is also where they, the, these men are discipled by really just a, a young guy. He's probably in his 30s. He and his wife and children just said yes. They said, we'll go to um, Phnom Penh. We'll live in a really polluted city that's very noisy. I, it was, my senses were like this whole time we were there. Very noisy. They can't let their kids wander away from them by any you know, means. There's no, hardly any parks in Phnom Penh. But they said, yes, we're going to go and we're going to be dedicated to these men seeing these men thrive, seeing these men come from darkness into light. And so we got to go to this hair salon, which is kind of a, just a, you know, a little tiny little room. And walking into these men's lives, they were, I just felt like it was such a vulnerable moment. You know, here these men know that we know that they've been working in, in male brothels for some of them since they were very young. Um, some of them, you know, currently maybe are still involved off and on in, in the brothels. Some are further along. Some have already come out of that and have even on staff now. But we just got to, you know, us eight ladies from another country just got to go and spend this hour with these men. And coming around, we sat around in a circle and they, we just got to basically bring a mother's and sister's blessing to these men. And these men were, you know, just most of them, well, about, I'd say about half of them are still, you just see the shame. They're just clothed in shame. They're just beaten down by life, you know. So we, we, and it wasn't a time where I had time to make um, small talk with these men. Even, I mean, the Khmer language is, was a lot more difficult than I thought to even talk to people. We, but it just, we didn't need to have small talk with the men. I didn't meet, get to know most of these men's names or really their stories, but coming around them as sisters and mothers and praying for them. The man in the white standing next to me, he was, he was on one side of me and uh, another man was on the other side of me. And he and I, we just, the whole prayer time, we just got to, they're like, just release a mother's 
sister's blessing on these guys. So we just came around them, and he and I were just clinging hands together. We were just, we were just gripping hands and just, you know, just, I mean, I felt the mother's heart of God over these guys and over this nation of just, wow, you guys have value, and you're so, you're so precious. It doesn't matter what, what you've done. It doesn't matter what's been done to you. You guys are so precious, and you're, you're so valuable. And so he and I, we were just, just squeezing hands and holding hands and crying together. And then there was another man next to me that I put my hand on his shoulder. And physically, he didn't recoil from me, but inside I felt everything in him recoil from me, just my touch, you know. And so I was just kind of praying while we were praying, like asking God, is this okay? Like, should I give him space or you know, should I keep my hand on him or what? And I just felt peace about keeping my hand on him, so I just did. And, but I just felt that, like, he'd been so marred. It's like he couldn't even handle a pure touch from somebody, you know, and just, he couldn't even handle that. And and just everything went in him, you know. So, so what they try to do in this program is they just, they have Friday fun days. They have they, they just, and I've been seeing pictures lately, I've been keeping up with, you know, they just go and go hang out at a pond together and go fishing. Just normal life, you know, try to get these guys. This is what normal community is. This is what normal life is. We hang out, we love on each other, we laugh, and these, you know, missionaries, they, have, they hang out, the kids hang out with these guys. They just, they're hanging out. They're coming around them going like, hey, this is, this is, you know, this is what normal life can be. This is what healthy life can be. This is what healthy touches. This is what healthy camaraderie is and so it's really really special I mean I I feel really blessed Um, I'll never forget it and um, so going from the the men like I said we only had about an hour with them the the punlock to my kids is kind of a big focus now on what they're doing because I mean it's amazing they're okay so just imagine this there's a group of about 30 staff on HBC they're all basically in their 20s uh, Khmer people, that's the, the technical word for Cambodians, you know, is Khmer. Um, so these like 30 uh, people, a lot of them are orphans themselves. I mean, I don't really know, you know, a lot of the stories of the people, but I hear a little bit of the staff and I'm like, oh my goodness, it's amazing. They were on the streets too, or they were this and that, or they were rejected by their own parents, or like one girl, just a beautiful, beautiful woman, she's so beautiful, but she, she's got like a, a crippled hand, and her, before she came into the program, right now I know her as Sarah, that's what they introduced me to her as, but they were saying before the program, her name in, in Kamai meant cut one, like that was what her identity was, as her family was, she was the cut one, she was rejected by her family, and so now she's working with kids, um, coming alongside of them. Um, they gave her the name Sarah, this organization, the director was like, you're no longer the cut one, you're Sarah, because you are um, being a mother to these, to these kids. And so I don't know if you can see some of the pictures, but up here, you know, the two top ones were when we were in Phnom Penh. And so the way it works is this staff, about 30, they're touching like about the lives of like 600 kids um, a week. I mean, they're just, it's kind of like a, a constant VBS, what they're doing. And I'm like, wow, this, no wonder they're just like, they're in their twenties. They can do this. But, um, so what they do is they like, they, they go, we buy these tuk-tuks, they tote like a picnic blanket, uh, games, Uno, things like that, uh, coloring pages. They'll tote them to all these different locations around the city 
they choose, they're strategic about, I mean, they just pray and the Lord just downloads where they should go, but they choose the same spots, you know, that sometimes they'll, they'll add a new one, but they go to the most concentrated uh, trafficking areas in the, in the city. So, and some of this, the, which I didn't know this before, but there's actually a history, of, there's a, a pretty large Muslim community in Cambodia as well. So I was like, some of these places, I'm like, oh my goodness, these kids are being trafficked, they're part Muslim, they're Buddhist, they have a Hindu background, I'm like these, you know, this is just interesting what they're, what they're facing. So you know, kids would show up like we go to these uh, spot, usually super hot, super muggy. We'd be out in this uh, just you know street. Some kids would show up with no clothes on. You know, it's just you just you don't know who's gonna show up. But, but most of the kids, you know, especially in these areas, they don't go to school, so they they look forward to these kids clubs showing up. They just come running, you know, and they. Um, they what how what they would do is we would play with them you know jump rope and things like that for maybe 30 minutes and just build you know relationships with them and the the staff really knows them because like i said they're going back to these places every day basically they're going to the same spots they're reaching out to the kids they're um so they play with them, and then they gather everybody on the blanket, and they give a, a story, depending on how long they've been at each of these locations. You know, some of them, this a little bit more further along the Bible, but some of them, they just start with a basic design for family. They just, and so even through that, because kind of one of the things that they're doing, one of the reasons why they're doing these kids clubs is they, the staff's been trained to know what to look for in kids who've been being abused or they're being groomed by uh, perpetrators so for example you may see a kid who's dressed in rags but they have a really nice watch on so stuff like that that they kind of go hmm you know then they just start building relationships like where did you get the watch you know and who do you live with and where where are you at you know with things or so they just they build trust with these kids you know like i said they're going back day in day out they're they're getting to know their stories so then what they begin to do is they follow the thread to people that are that are grooming them, taking advantage of them, and so it's a very tedious process. I mean, the, the HBC is kind of more of the hand, you know, the feet, uh, feet on the ground. I mean, they are the ones who are just getting to know the kids, and once they do, then maybe sometimes they'll take a kid and put them in a safe house with another organization, or they'll do different things. But they just they're starting to just slowly follow threads with people, and it's almost like you know that that story you've heard before about the 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 kid with the starfish and he's you know he's throwing starfish back into the water and somebody was like why are you doing that you know, you know look there's like millions of them and he's just like well you know you're not going to make a difference he's like well I made a difference for that one I made a difference for that one that's kind of the mentality that they have to have here you know it's like if they could just make the difference for one kid or they could follow the thread to one particular Usually it's foreigners that are taking advantage of these kids, but not always, but there are, you know, they'll find out, okay, this particular hotel, there's somebody staying in there who's grooming these kids or who's already taking advantage of these kids or this kid's, you know, in a really dangerous position right now. So, so that's the kind of stuff that they, you know, look for. And, um, but so after they give the story, they, you know, they pray together and then they'll give, the kids will line up and they'll get enriched soy milk, you know, and, um, and then they'll go on you know, with their day, and then they'll go to the next spot. So um, 
really intense, you know, to just, but every time I just have that, that attitude and you just have to have that, you know, every single kid. And before I went, people who have done this before warned me. They're like, you're not going to be, you're, you're just there for a moment in time. Just make eye contact with these kids. Just pour everything that the Holy Spirit gives you into these kids for this moment. And I'm just so thankful for these superhero. I mean, I look at the, the staff members, I'm like, they're superheroes. I mean, they're going back into these places day after day, and they're just, you know, these dark places. The one on the bottom, so the two, you know, the top is when we were in Phnom Penh, we're meeting with kids on the street corners. When we did go up to Siem Reap to do kind of the same thing to see the um, HPC work up in Siem Reap, which is more of a rural area up where, where Angkor Wat is. A lot of tourists go up there, but it's more rural. It's a quaint, quaint little town, but it's definitely also a trafficking hub. But so we would uh, work with kids in the dirt there. So it's like either you know, s s uh, city streets or the dirt um, in villages and things like that. So um, that was the kids. Now the worship school, oh, let me go back to a story, one more story about the kids. Okay, so we were there during the Chinese New Year, which, I mean, it's already so spiritually, you know, intense there that it just, like, amped everything up. So thank you so much. So many people said they prayed for us, and we really, I, we felt so covered. I just felt so covered when we were there. Because, I mean, it was very intense, um, you know, just hearing, even the one time I, we were so busy, but one time I had in my hotel, I was like, I just need to go and spend some time, quiet time with the Lord. Went back to the hotel room as soon as I got there. They had a parade right outside the, the it was almost like it was staged perfectly. I'm like, okay, quiet time. Just, this is worship, and the, the, this um, parade parked right outside of the hotel, just banging on this, these drums for like hours. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is really intense. But anyhow, so, so also the, the Buddhist monks were out even more. And so, you know, when times we're on the, we're the city street, we're uh, about ready to have the kids right outside in front of the royal palace. So it's just, there's a lot of activity out there. There's a lot of commotion, but we're about ready to set the kids down and they're all ready to hear the Bible and all ready, you know, to receive whatever God has for them. Right then, all the kids just jump up and run away. And I'm, we were just like, I was like, what's going on? You know, so we're in this like pavilion. So they run, you know, about, I'm not good with measurements, probably 10 yards, or I don't know, 10 yards away. And I look over and I see this, uh, this Buddhist monk, you know, dressed in his orange with his entourage behind him, and they're handing out food to the kids. And so I was like, okay, maybe they'll hand out food, and then the kids will come back. But then what happened is this, this Buddhist monk with his entourage, they, he just kind of walks right. It was like something out of a movie or something. He walks right through this pavilion right in front of us and his his robe is like flowing and he just glides past us when I see he's like just handing out money to the kids too just beside him they're just like frolicking all around him they're just following him wherever he goes and he's handing out money and he walks right by me and we make this eye contact like really intense eye contact and it was I mean I was like I had like a power encounter with the enemy I was like whoa he just had this smirk on his face. Like, it was like perfect timing. He knew exactly what was going on, you know. So he's just, just, the kids are just following him, and he just walks right past, and he just takes them away. You know, just, the kids are just drawn away by this Buddhist monk. So it was really interesting. But then the next day, we get a chance to go to the worship school. So the worship school is... Which is something, let me stop there. I don't always see this in every nation. I've been to a few nations, not a ton, but 
not every nation, the, the churches and the NGOs really cooperate and come together, but I really felt Cambodia, there was just so much synergy between the groups. So like the worship school for HPC uh, met at, a, at the top of a church, just some other church that's not even connected to HPC. But this church was lo located so cool. It was right next to the um, Royal Palace. You could see the Royal Palace in one direction. You could see it was, it was just right in, the, in, in an intense, right in the red light district, right in the middle of all this stuff. So the HBC had, you know, right at the top, there's this worship, pra praise and worship school. So they take the Kamai uh, men, or anybody who's coming out, they're ready. They, they, they have a call in their life for worship. And they've, you know, they've come out of darkness. They're ready to just lead people into worshiping God. So we met up there, and, and we just had this really intense time of prayer, praise, and worship, and it was just amazing. So while I'm while we're worshiping, I'm just closing my eyes, and I'm you know turned out toward a neighborhood down there with a lot of kids, and I just the Lord just I felt like this in prayer to solve like the Lord, this kind of picture of the Lord walking, Jesus walking through those streets, and the kids are following him, and they're running after him, and, and then it was cool, because even in the, the, like, the, the vision, or the thought, you know, it's like, then he, like, even turned into kind of this ball of light, and was just, bing, 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 knocking down all these idols, you know, it's like, you go into countries like this, there's just idols everywhere, and, and I just see this idol, and I just felt like this sense of, like, the Lord's like, you know what, I have the last say on this, you know, yeah, the, that, the, the Buddhist monk, he took the kids away for a little bit, but I'm ultimately, I'm in charge here, and I'm going to have my, my people are going to follow me. Every, you know, one day every knee will bow before me, and I'm doing work in Cambodia even now, and it was just a, a really, you know, it's like you go into these dark places, you just have to have that, remember, it's like, no, God's, God's superior. God's, God's superior to all these little idols around. And, um, so then here's another picture of a baby house, we got to, so you know, sometimes in developing countries things move quickly. The day we got into the country, they said we found, we secured a place for a baby house. And we weren't sure if that was gonna happen or not, but we, um, a bunch of stuff was donated from Reading. We had tons of baby things. They're like, just bring baby stuff. Um, we'll see if we get to open this house because the government actually came to HBC a while ago and said, we've got, more, we've got more babies than we can handle. You're already doing good work with what you're doing. What about opening a baby house? So they said, by faith, sure, we'll do it. So they found a three-story baby house before we um, got there. And so um, we got to clean it from top to bottom. We went to stores, just got to stock it. We just bought everything you can buy to furnish a place. And so these babies, the one on the left is, they named him Baby Jordan. So this baby was being bounced back and forth between missionaries when we were there. So these missionaries, I'm like, oh my goodness, they've got a newborn baby they're taking care of. They've got their own kids. They've got usually adopted kids. I mean, they're running this organization. They're going all around in these tuk-tuks. It's, you know, they've got a lot to deal with. So this Baby Jordan, cutie, I mean, just so cute. He's going to be most likely one of the babies in the baby house. And I, last I heard, they're just waiting on staff. They've got this house, they've got babies, they just need people to come and love on these babies. So Scotty, the one up there, um, I've never seen anything like that before. Personally, just, he's had a cleft you know, face. And so um, 
the director of HPC, I think, is going to be adopting him. I think she's already adopted. She's a single woman who's running an organization, but she's already adopted four, four Kamai kids, I think, and she's, I think, adopting him. But there will be more kids like him that go in the baby house because there's a lot of the cleft palate, you know, is, is, a, is kind of a, is a, a problem there. But just such a sweetie. We just got to, I was, you know, sick the first part of the trip, so I couldn't really hold him because she was like, if he gets sick, it's bad. I mean, because already the director's having to just, she would have to feed him with a little dropper and stuff like that. But just a cutie. So it's cool that, you know, these babies are going to be raised not with a, like you guys are orphans, you are, you know, lower than, it's like they are going to be raised with, no, you guys are sons and daughters, you know, of, of God. So um, I don't know if any of you guys have ever heard of Andy Crouch. He's got such good stuff. He was the editor um, and producer of Christianity Today for about 10 years. But he's got a lot of good books on justice. And um, just, just really, he boils justice down to it all goes back to that we are image bearers. Because before, I, you know, I've been here, you know, all of us have been hearing these buzzwords, buzz phrases like social justice and justice. And, for the longest time, I just couldn't get my head around justice. I'm like, I think justice is the opposite of mercy, right? And I'm like, and I'd rather just go for mercy. So why are we talking about justice all the time? Or I just couldn't see, or I thought, well, justice means that, you know, the the these bad guys are gonna, you know, get in trouble. But I'm like, but they're they're victims too, really. They're victims of darkness as well. So he had some really good light before I went on the trip. I heard a podcast from him. I'm like, oh, that really hit some stuff home. And what he was saying is that Christians really have three callings. Let's make this right. We are, one, to bear the image of God. And we're all, whether you're a Christian or not, really as a human, we are all image bearers. And so to bear the image is to exercise dominion. This is what God created us for, caring for and cultivating the good world and making it good through our creative attention. And then, two, as Christians, uh, we are called to restore the image of God. Like, we need to actively seek out places where the image has been lost to place ourselves at particular risk on behalf of the victims of idolatry and injustice. And that's where it's like we need to be spurred on to, like, that's what we're, you know, it's not just about enjoying being, being an image bearer, but to, like, actively seek out anywhere it's been lost. And, and if, you know, in cases of abuse, both the perpetrator and the victim, they're both lost their dignity, you know, as image bearers. And then three, he says, you know, make the most of today while it's called today. We only know that we have this moment. So do what you can in each moment, you know, to remember that we, we need to help restore that and not forget others. And so um, another quick little part of Century Nine, I thought about putting this lot at the end of that because this restaurant they've established is, is very cre actively re of creating. I mean, they're amazing. I put a little burger thing on there, so good. I mean, this restaurant started by, by HBC, top quality. I mean, the food was so good. Um, like, just creative stuff. I mean, low clock burger right here, <laughs> like gluten-free in, in Cambodia, you can find it. And then this, this group, this um, group up here, the, the people in the, in the foreground or whatever, they are the um, directors, the regional directors for the Christian Missionary Alliance. And so this, this restaurant that HPC started to employ the people out of the trafficking industry, it's, it's become like a meeting place for, it's just become a, a watering ground for people. So we happen one night, we're there, 
the lady in the back is Dawn's aunt. She was there at the time. She happened to introduce me to the regional directors of the CMA, and I thought, this is so cool. Like, we're just, you know, everyone's there, you know, there's the restaurant um, doing their part, their little piece to, to the puzzle. So again, I wanted to end on this, of um, this passage, and I just felt like today, um, you know, there may be some people here who, you know, like how Zion said, or maybe some people in Cambodia, they're just kind of saying, you know, I feel forgotten. And I really feel like, um, you know, I, I, the Lord's forgotten me and in my, in my stage of life. And, um, you know, or you're just really resonating with those who are in a place where they're being forgotten. So um, I'm going to have a little prayer time for that. But I just got to say one last thing about this. It was interesting because, like I said, I brought that, you know, felt like I was supposed to bring that word to the people about you are not forgotten. We will not forget you. Well, the day I, like a couple days after I got back, mysteriously, I mean, I don't think it's super mysterious. I have a two-year-old, but somehow my phone got some passcode put on it, and, I, and then we couldn't get it off. And then the, you know, snowmageddon happened, and we had no internet for, like, in our house for, like, two weeks. And I just, we couldn't, so all my, my phone was locked up. I couldn't look at the pictures again, you know, that I took and kind of reacquaint myself. Finally, my husband was able to unlock it, and we had to erase everything. So all my pictures were erased. And it was just so weird. I was like, here, specifically gave these people, like, my promise, I will not forget you. But, like, everything was almost, like, wiped out of my memory. And then I was just distracted, you know, with all this. Things started piling up of all the responsibilities here, and I didn't have Internet, and my phone access didn't work. My phone didn't have access out at Millville. So I was like, so I just got distracted for a little bit. So it wasn't almost until just recently, like, the Lord brought back, there's still, there are people out there, you know, you told them you're not going to forget them. And, um, and I'm not forgotten, you know, through the things I've been through, and you guys aren't forgotten. And so I asked Pastor Sean, you know, if there's any possible way that, um, that we could have some people available for prayer this morning. And some of the things that I was thinking about is, you know, again, for those of you who've you know, you just feel like you're kind of, and I've been there before in my life, you just feel like you're back in the, in the, you know, wilderness, you're tending sheep, you're just kind of, you're hidden and you're, you're just forgotten, or you're just in a kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing in life right now, but I'm just keeping my nose to the ground, I'm just trying to do what God uh, has me to do, or maybe you're in a place where you're just like, man, I just, it feels like things are coming against me, and it feels like things are a lot harder than they should be, and then also I just felt like, um, if anybody needs prayer this morning for maybe you're carrying somebody in your heart, that you're one of those ones who's like, someone's not forgotten. They're always on your radar. Maybe it's a son or a daughter or a mother or father or neighbor. There's somebody you're really carrying that you're like, I've not, I can't forget them, you know, but I, even if I tried, but I, you know, I feel heavy for them and I want to have some support and then um, also I wanted anybody who just needs prayer they're just you know open to say hey I've been rejected by a parent you know maybe I have some mother father issues or wounds and and that I mean obviously happens you know in life and 
and I know that I personally have had to get a lot of healing from that. So, um, so I just wanted to, um, to throw those out there for, for you guys.